You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello and welcome to Disney One by One. This week we're talking about Mulan from 1998. It is the 36th movie on the list. And as always, you can check us out everywhere on the internet at Disney 1x1. If you could leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we would love that. With me as always today is my brother David, the, the, <laughs> I forget to make up an analogy, the Mushu to my cricket. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Mike, for having me back. Does the cricket have a name? I think it's like Cricky. Something I was like thinking that. Flick, but then I remember that's a bug's life. Yeah, that's not the right studio at the Wrong time. Wrong animal. Joining us this week, a first time guest, all the way from St. Louis, Missouri, down the street from me somewhere, Bill Parmentier. Welcome to Disney One by One. Hey, for first time and last time guest. <laughs> He's already <laughs> declared his final episode. Yeah, I think you might have the longest last name of anyone who's been on this show. Parmentier? Yeah. Yeah, th th that feels pretty good. I'm proud of that. Something to be proud of, for sure. And I know you guys can't see his face right now, but the first thing I just said when we met five minutes ago was, you look just like Chris Pratt. So <laughs> we basically have Chris Pratt on the show. I look like Chris Pratt and feel like Chris Pratt from like 10 years ago. The, the Parks and Rec version? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So one week ago, we had Ryan Gosling on the show, and this week we have Chris Pratt. So pretty awesome. Who's dreamier? Uh, Ryan Gosling, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. The notebook, you know. So, so Bill, tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you do? What do you do in St. Louis? I work in video production. I have been a commercial actor and voice actor for years now. Um, I also work behind the scenes, behind the camera, producing, directing, writing, editing, all that kind of stuff. Kind of one man band type of stuff. Yeah, I forget exactly where and how we met. I'm not sure what shoot it was. Oh, God. Years ago. Was it the, um, oh, my gosh. Was it Shock Top? Did you shoot a, the Shock Top thing where we, we made like an April Fool's video for Shock Top? Yeah, that sounds familiar. Was that, pro was that the first time? Was that the thing where we were trying to convince people to lick their phones? Yes. Okay. And boy, did they ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was this April Fool's joke about like <laughs> Shock Top has revolutionized this new technology that'll emit tastes out of your cell phone. It was uh, like piezoelectric uh, fields or something like that. Yeah, and that's right. Just to fool people. And <laughs> some people got fooled by it. So they weren't actors. They're were actually people in the public. No, I mean, we in the video in like sort of the, uh, I don't know what, like the explainer video. It was, you know, it was me and, and other actors, but. Yeah, I mean, I remember the sort of the I don't know, the fallout from that, I guess, is that some people actually fell for it. So it was successful. That's kind of what you want. Yeah, right. And something yeah. like that. Yeah, that was one of my like early jobs. Huh. So it was it was a lot of fun. It, it felt good to be doing something like that. Yeah. And then I don't know if I've talked about it on the show, probably a little bit. I, I participate in the 48 hour film project every year in St. Louis. We have to make a movie and a short film in two days. And, and Bill has starred in a couple of them. If you, uh, if you search for Rhymer's Block or Sir Bardolph <laughs> on, <laughs> on Vimeo or Google, you'll, you'll stumble across our work. It's pretty That's fantastic. Right. That's right. So Bill, we ask every guest on our show about their Disney history. Do you have much of one? Or is this the first Disney movie you've ever watched? First of all, what is Disney? Second of all, I've never watched a movie. Ever. Uh, <laughs> no, never, ever. I work Why, in video why production. did you invite this guy, Mike? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Worst guest. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, growing up, you know, I was born in 81. So 
growing up, it was just like endless Disney movies. We had, you know, we had all the classics on tape. Yeah. Or, you know, they would play on uh, here in St. Louis, they play on Channel 11 often. And so we would tune in and watch those, you know, just Sleeping Beauty and Lady and the Tramp, Jungle Book, you know, all the classics. I watched a bunch of those. And now, nowadays, I've got kids of my own. And so we watch them pretty frequently. Um, and so they're they're getting to watch, you know, all the new ones, of course. And then we we're trying to catch them up on all the classics as well. You know, they generally love them all, too, to, as much as I do. The old ones are just strange. You know, like the real classic ones are just just bizarre. I guess the creators of those films back then thought that kids could handle like <laughs> terrifying things. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they could. Maybe they couldn't. But, you know, even in like Sleeping Beauty, like the dragon is like terrifying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was scary as a kid. It, it It's definitely changed. But, you know, I appreciate the old ones and like and, and those sort of those first experiences as a kid of like horror or terror were from a lot of Disney movies and, you know, other animated movies and things, too. But a lot of the Disney movies had like scary stuff in it as a kid. And it sort of. I don't know. I don't know if it like hardens you or something, but it just sort of it's your sort of first taste of like uh, fear as a kid. You know what I mean? In the case of Hunchback of Notre Dame, it's your first taste of uh, infanticide and <laughs> lust, lust and prostitution <laughs> and public shaming. All of those things. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Same, and then with Mulan, too, there, I, I remember they were talking about concubines. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. my uh, six year old and three year old just learned about concubines for the first time. Daddy, what's a concubine? We'll talk about it later. Yes. Wait a few years. Yeah. Have you ventured to the parks as a child yourself, the theme parks as an adult or or with your kids? Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. And yes. I've never been to Disneyland. We've only been to Disney World and it's probably because it was closer to Missouri. Uh, But we went there multiple times growing up. I mean, and to this day, it's still my dad's favorite place in the world. Really? Yeah, no joke. It's, it's it's his favorite vacation. We actually went last year to Disney World and it was my kids first time there and they just went nuts. I feel like I've been there five or six times. And what's cool is like it's different every single time. Yeah. But then you can still experience a lot of the same stuff you did as a kid. That was one of my favorite things about going last year with my kids. And, and you know, my and my dad like took us there so like we were all there together like three generations and just experiencing the same things that I did as a kid, like brought back floods of memories and like seeing my kids like run ahead of me and like get excited about stuff. I was like at least once a day, I find myself like tearing up thinking about the memories that I had. And now I'm sharing those with my kids. It's just like, Oh, oh I, just can't, I can't handle this right now. It was just too much for, for as silly as it is. It's just it's magical. No, I get it. And I'm very much looking forward to taking my my daughter there at some point. She already loves Mickey Mouse as a as a one year old. Perfect. Training her young. Yeah. I have the kids book versions of Small World Jungle Cruise and, and Haunted Mansion. <laughs> just be ready to be exhausted because it's it's a ton of fun, but it is exhausting. So what is your favorite ride? Do you have a, a favorite ride or two? One that comes to mind is uh, the Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster. Nice. <laughs> like, I just think that's so much fun. And like, it's it's ridiculous how it just like shoots you off at the start. And there's just like Aerosmith jams so just loud. rocking yeah. out. And, uh, you know, it's it's dark and it's scary, but it's just exhilarating. Uh, I really like that one. Oh, gosh. You know what I really like is just going through Spaceship Earth. In Epcot. Yeah. I just like the journey. You know, it's not like thrilling or anything, but it's just like, oh, this is neat. I'm just I'm like 
traveling through time. And Jade, I mean, I know that, Jade that's like the, is talking in my ears, yes. Yeah, yeah. I know that's that's like sort of the plot of the Spaceship Earth ride, but a lot of, a lot of the stuff in there is like pretty old. Uh, and so it is sort of like still traveling in time, like in two different ways. So, Bill, it's also the tradition with our guests that we ask what their top five favorite Disney movies are. So have you have you gathered your list? Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was tough. Number five. Number five. I'm going to say The Sword in the Stone. Wow. Deep cut. I'm a sucker for like fantasy and medieval stuff anyway. So, you know, that sort of genre mixed with a Disney film was pretty cool. And then, you know, there's a kid in the lead. So like I could relate to the kid. What's your next one? Sword in the Stone, then I, I would say Big Hero 6. Again, like, I'm a sucker for, like, medieval stuff and sci-fi. And so uh, that's right up the alley. And, you know, the animation in that is just, it's just out of this world. Yeah, it is. The story uh, is really, like, relatable and, like, emotional and, you know, connective. And then also there's, you know, there's, like, robots and, and like, superheroes and bad guys and stuff. And it's just, like, so much fun. Did you get to meet Baymax at Epcot? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we okay. did. The, the boys, <laughs> my kids were super excited to meet Baymax. Yeah, we waited We waited a few minutes for that and uh, got to meet him. You make me want to pull up all my photos from last summer. Yeah, I like, going, I like going through mine, too. It's fun. Yeah. We I haven't a, seen Big Hero 6. I'm excited to get to it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. It's a treat. All right, what's next? Probably Zootopia. I just I think that's such a smart movie. I mean, it's what a great script that is. Holy mackerel. You know, and then the voice acting is just superb. You know, again, like a theme is like everything's really relatable and emotional. You know, it's got sort of a good uh, redemption story of the, the main character. They're building Zootopia Land at Shanghai Disney. I, I guess we got to go. Yeah. <laughs> There's go. rumors it might come to Animal Kingdom as well, but no, nothing confirmed. Holy mackerel. All right, we're on number two, or however you're ranking these things. And this top five, like five, four, three, two, one, is they're probably malleable depending on how I feel. But the, the Black Cauldron. Oh man, I know, wow. I know. That's that's like a like a B side. That movie. is a deep, deep cut. Yes. Yeah. However, um, <laughs> like I said earlier, like the medieval stuff, I just I just love that, and it also goes back to what we were talking about earlier, like how some kids' movies were scary, and that one's definitely scary. That one is real intense. Yeah. It's horrifying. There's like, a, there's an army, there's a reanimated army of the dead. And like that came out in 1985. And like me as a kid watching that was like, <laughs> but it, like I couldn't turn away because it was just so cool. You know, there's like swords and sorcery and monsters and stuff. It's just, just rad. I mean, they definitely did not put their A team on that movie. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> However, like you could sort of tell that like they did the best that they could with what they had. All right, your number one. Uh number one, Hercules. And again, like it's fantasy uh not medieval, but fantasy like ancient Greek and um I've always been fascinated by mythology too, so mythology is wound into the script really well and all the character designs and animation and the and the voice acting and just the action and stuff. Like, like James Woods as Hades is just insane he's so good yeah yeah that's my top five my malleable top five nice that might be the most unique list we've had so far david i think <laughs> you're right <laughs> that's great three of those definitely weren't on any other top fives yeah uh, <laughs> big hero six black cauldron and sword in the stone oh man you've got yourself a real unique guest here guys yeah it's gonna be a real treat for you <laughs> <laughs> and so with that we will move on to mulan and now our feature presentation I've heard a great deal about you, Mulan. 
You took your father's armor. Ran away from home. Impersonated a soldier. But soon the world will know the great things you have done. In 1989, Walt Disney Feature Animation Florida opened, which was at the Disney MGM Studios, part of the tour, the original studio tour at MGM, was you could see some movies in production. It was originally it was originally open to make short films and featurettes, but by 1993, after they'd worked on segments for Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Lion King, as we've mentioned in past episodes, they were deemed worthy to make a feature film. So Barry Cook, a guy who had worked at the Florida studio for a while as a special effects animator and had also directed a Roger Rabbit short film. He was offered two projects in development. One was a, a Scottish dragon folktale, which sounds a lot like How to Train Your Dragon, <laughs> which is not Disney, um, or Mulan. And they decided to add a dragon to Mulan and go with that. And then they brought in Tony Bancroft, who we interviewed on the show a few weeks ago. So check that out. He had worked on Lion King, as we as we discussed, as the animator of Pumbaa. And uh, after being recommended by Rob Minkoff, the director of Lion King, he was brought on as co-director of Mulan. So remember, check out that interview with Tony Bancroft. In the early stages of this movie, the plot was originally a, a romantic comedy. It was like Mulan was a misfit tomboy who loves her father, but she's betrothed to be married. And then like on her wedding day, she flees. And like that was sort of the gist of the story. But they decided to go with the more traditional story where she still loves her father, but she leaves home because of the love for her father. And it's much less selfless or it's much more selfless and more appealing of a character instead of her fleeing out of out of spite. There were no animal companions in the original story. And most of these Disney movies have some sort of animal companion. So uh, Roy E. Disney, who was one of the executives, one of the last remaining Disney's at Disney at the time, suggested adding the character of Mushu, the dragon. There was also the cricket that Disney artist Joe Grant suggested, but none of the directors wanted him in the movie. They found they found the cricket to be a completely pointless character. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but, but Michael Eisner, the head of the studio, and uh, Joe Grant, the guy who came up with this idea, uh, really wanted him in there. There were multiple story meetings where people were saying, to hell with the cricket! <laughs> but it ended up staying in there nonetheless casting for this movie they went through all sorts of people especially for the lead mulan they originally cast uh, uh, leah salanga who was the singing voice of princess jasmine in aladdin but they tested out her deeper man voice and they didn't think it was good enough so they they nixed her so they brought in ming na wen after hearing her narration at the beginning of the movie called the joy luck club which sounds familiar to me i don't know if i've seen that but she does the opening narration of that movie and they're like we love this voice we need her and so they brought her in. For Mushu, the character that Roy E. Disney recommended, and that was written into the script, the dragon, they wanted another Robin Williams kind of voice. He was quite successful as the genie, and so they needed some, they wanted some more star power in the supporting character. And so they called up Eddie Murphy, and he originally was reluctant to go to the Disney studio to record. I guess that might have been in LA or Florida, whatever. But they agreed to record his lines in his own personal basement studio in New Jersey. And so he agreed to do the movie, which is kind of weird. I was watching a, like a 20 minute long behind the scenes documentary and they had all these different actors in there and he never appeared in like those typical shots at the microphone because I guess they like record his lines at his house. Wow. Interesting. Other voices we got in this movie. There's the, the captain. Li Shang was voiced by B.D. Wong, who I most know from Jurassic Park. Referencing that again. Oh, yeah. He's like the scientist guy who then appears in Jurassic World. But in the Chinese version, he was voiced by Jackie Chan. So I don't know why we didn't get Jackie Chan in both versions. 
because I'm sure Jackie Chan could speak English as well. I'm pretty sure Jackie Chan does speak English. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, you know what? I wasn't the casting director. What, what do I know? I guess I meant well enough to to work for for American audiences. Yeah, I, I don't know. They probably just didn't want to take that chance. And then the singing voice of Captain Lee Shang is the one and only Donny Osmond. Oh, yeah. He said, especially his kids told him that he he finally made it when he got to be the voice of a Disney character. <laughs> Despite it just being one song, but it was a fantastic song here in Mulan. The best. David's favorite Disney song. It's one of the few songs where I know every word. I don't often remember lyrics very well. <laughs> we also got uh, Pat Morita. Is that the guy's name? The Mr. Miyagi? Yeah. From the Karate Kid. He plays the Emperor. And uh, George Takai is also in this movie. Well known for many things, including Star Trek and being the the, the big uh, ancestor of Ghost in Mulan. Yeah, he's like the, the, the leader of the, of the ancestor spirits. Some great Asian Chinese uh, actors in this movie. A few characters were not portrayed by by the right ethnicity, but most of them were fairly accurate, which is not which is not the norm for these Disney movies. Nowadays it is, but back then it wasn't so much. Yeah, for sure. The music in Mulan. So so fresh off of his work on Pocahontas and Hunchback of Notre Dame, Stephen Schwartz was brought on board to start working on the songs. The crew went on a scouting trip to China in 1994. And upon return, he was poached by Jeffrey Katzenberg. We've mentioned Katzenberg many times on the show. He was an executive at Disney for many years. And just about this time, he left Disney to go start DreamWorks with Steven Spielberg. And they were working on The Prince of Egypt. And he wanted Steven Schwartz. And so he grabbed him and Schwartz left the Mulan project to go write songs for Prince of Egypt, which the music in Prince of Egypt is awesome. So Man. <laughs> That son it's, of a gun. It's so good. The uh, Disney animation president at the time, Peter Schneider, threatened to have Schwartz's name removed from all projects that, that were still uh, not yet released, which included Pocahontas <laughs> and Hunchback at the wow. time. Michael Eisner even called him personally to urge him to, to leave DreamWorks and come back, but he said, nope, I'm working with JK. Wow. That's so spiteful. I know. Holy mackerel. I mean, I don't blame him. Prince of Egypt's music is amazing. But we're talking about Mulan, so... <laughs> I want to talk about Prince of Egypt cast. I do Let's too. Go real it's, deep it's on great. This. I love Prince of Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> so they brought in a guy named Matthew Wilder to replace Stephen Schwartz, and a guy named David Zippel to write uh, lyrics in this for this movie. Zippel? Zippel? David Zippel? I never. Zippel. I hadn't heard of either of these guys. And those are just for the songs. For the score, after churning through the likes of Danny Elfman, Thomas Newman, Rachel Portman, they settled on Jerry Goldsmith to write the score for this movie. He's quite a prominent composer he wasn't been nominated for 18 oscars i don't know i don't have a list of his movies he's worked on but many things including the score to soren at uh the ride at disney <laughs> oh yeah jerry goldsmith <laughs> which is a great score. i love that music and he was nominated for an oscar for mulan so fantastic score continuing on with music so the song reflection is sort of the main theme song in this movie that mulan sings and as is tradition in these films, as, we, as we've discussed the last few weeks, there is a pop version of the of the song in the credits. And in this case, it's sung by Christina Aguilera. Look at me, you may think you see who I really am, but you'll never know me. This was actually her first song released in the United States, like first single. Oh, really? It like skyrocketed her to stardom. Wow, <laughs> I did not know that. I did not enjoy the song either. She was on the Mickey Mouse Club with like Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake and Ryan Gosling. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So she had some sort of a little bit of fame, 
But then she like moved to Japan to try to record some music with someone there. And then she like sent in an audition tape for this reflection song and they offered it to her. And then, you know, that song landed in the top 10 charts. And then from there, she you know released her first album and, and the rest is history. So wow, that's crazy. Mulan oh skyrocketed Christina Aguilera to start on, believe it or not. And I, I just remembered this or, or never knew it or whatever, but when the credits started rolling in Mulan, the so, that song, I don't know the title, but it's sung by 98 Degrees. And Stevie Wonder. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't stick around that long. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I called, didn't hear that part. Yeah, it's called True to Your Heart. And uh, yeah, it begins with 98 Degrees. I was watching it with my wife and she's like, that sounds like Nick Lachey. I'm like, yeah, I think you're right. Heck yeah. And then about like a, a, like a 30 seconds, a minute into the song, Stevie Wonder starts singing. Wow. I, I wish I would have stuck around for that. I'll, I'll play it in the background right now. We can, right, we can perfect. We'll, we'll, dance, we'll dance along to it. And then following that is when Christina Aguilera starts singing. So you really didn't get to that. Yeah, I uh, had to feed the kids. I'm sorry. It's all right. <laughs> There's also a fantastic music video for Reflection with Christina Aguilera that they got lazy and just shot at the in the China Pavilion at Epcot. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. It's like, oh, man. It's, it's just her in these like awkward, you know, just 1990s camera angles with the China Pavilion behind her with just like shots of from Mulan like terribly comped into the background it's pretty great oh my gosh I recommend it I'll have to watch that Mulan premiered at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles and uh, was soon released June 19th 1998 it made 304 million off of its 90 million dollar budget it was the second highest grossing animated film that year behind A Bug's Life which at the time was distributed by Disney but Pixar was not Pixar was not owned by Disney at the time so Right, yeah. Kind of rivaling yep. itself, but kind of not. The early years. Yes. Maybe subconsciously I knew A Bug's Life came out that year. That's why you I thought Flick. his name was Flick. Yeah. So Mulan, Mulan won Best Animated Feature at the Annie Awards that year. There was still not a Best Animated Feature Oscar yet. But like I said, uh, Jerry Goldsmith won, won the, for original score. So flying through here, uh, there's a video game. There's Mulan 2. And there's a 2020 live action adaptation coming directed by Nikki Caro and starring a bunch of uh, famous uh, Chinese folks. So That actually looks pretty, like, epic. Yeah, if you, you can look up the trailer. It just came out not too long ago, and it seems like they're sort of straying away from the Disney plot, maybe, at least to some extent. I don't think there's a Mushu. What? Yeah, we don't we don't see him in, the, in no. this trailer, but this is also the very early teaser, so yeah. there's probably a lot more to, to but, come. Yeah, I've heard that it's based much more on the original legend than on the than on the Disney screenplay, which will be kind of refreshing cons- considering what they've done of late. So, I don't know, it looks it looks it looks cool. Yeah, it looks like it'll be a fun fun action movie and they'll be able to do a lot more than they could do in animated form, I think, at least as far as the epic scale of it. Though they did a pretty good job in this 98 movie. So, We've gone way too long on this stuff. David, do you have any fun facts to contribute to uh, this Mulan history? Very quick. She's the first Disney princess to be physically wounded, visibly. She's the first princess to get a haircut. And she's the second (laughs) princess to be seen wearing pants, second to Jasmine. (gasps) 
It's the scandal. And she's the first one to not really actually be a princess. True, yes. And she didn't sing of her love for a hero or a prince. Is, wait, what's her... Her what's dad's her, like, just like a high up like military veteran. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's like some official or something. Yeah. Okay. All right. I was wondering. I, I wasn't clear on that in the beginning of the film. It. I, I don't know if I just didn't catch it or what, but I couldn't really understand. Okay. So, so Bill, we've watched Mulan again. When was the last time you had seen this movie? What was your history with this movie? Any memory of it before watching it again oh today? Yeah, no, I've seen it before, maybe a handful of times. No, I mean, it's it's not like one of the better ones, I think. Uh, I mean, it's solid for sure. It's It's got some fun moments and, uh, you know, I, I sort of like, I like some of the story, but I don't know. It's just, it seems pretty, pretty par for the course for Disney animation. Um, you know, middle of the ground. It's not bad. But yeah, I know I and I had I haven't seen it I hadn't seen it in years till I watched it earlier today. David, I think you put this movie on your original top ten list, am I right? I did. I I loved this movie as a kid. I watched it a lot and I know why. It's because it's an epic battle movie. Like it doesn't matter that it was about a girl, like it was about training for war, fighting <laughs> a cool villain in the Huns. Yeah, I mean, I could see the live action movie is going to be epic because this is an epic cartoon. This is the it's the first Disney movie that we've watched that it's about war. It's about foreign invaders breaking through the or I guess over the Great Wall of China. And I don't know, I really I really enjoyed it again, but I definitely have a lot of nostalgia for it. So I'm sure it clouded my judgment a bit as is normal for these older movies. I think that's part of the plan for these Disney films is to is to create that nostalgia so that you come back and watch it 10 years later, 20 years later and and have those same feelings. Definitely. You know, and get and get your kids to watch it, too. Uh, Yeah, I feel like that's all baked in. Yeah, we definitely watch this one a lot around the house growing up. It all seemed very familiar to me. So uh, I'll leave it at that. So, Bill, now that you have watched it again, what was sort of your initial reaction upon watching Mulan? I, I think my memory of it was. I wouldn't say it was an unkind, but it wasn't, I don't know. I just didn't think a lot of it. I just thought it was fine. But watching it again, I was like, oh, this is, this is not too bad. It, it's, it's better than I remembered. I think uh, I like the story. I, I like the, the story of empowerment for Milan and sort of uh, breaking out of her like gender stereotype and gender roles. I thought that was pretty cool and definitely progressive for 20 years ago, for sure. Especially for Disney. Yeah, I mean, she... She goes against the wishes of her entire community and culture and like saves the entire country. <laughs> right. As a female. Yeah. You don't See, get that guys? much in these. Yeah. See what happens when you let people do what they need to do. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed that. I mean, I've got two sons and I, I feel like they need to see these kind of stories too. And if I, you know, if I had a daughter, I feel like she would get a kick out of it. And could really relate to it. Still has, you know, some sort of cr- cringy sort of moments. Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, like, I remember wa- watching the the scene where Mulan, like, jumps in the lake or the river or whatever. And she's, like, taking a bath. And then the all the other soldiers jump in, too. And they're all naked together. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> oh, jeez. And she she's, like, trying to hide from them because she doesn't want to reveal that she's a uh, a girl. And it's just like, oh, God. This this scene is a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's something that would probably happen. 
Yeah, no, no, I, I get it. I get it. It's just like, you know, 20 years ago, it was funny. But like now in, in 2019, after everything that's happened over the past couple of years, it's like ugh, very um, cringeworthy, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I get I get what you're talking about. Yeah. But I mean, not the whole movie wasn't like that. Uh, some of it's like silly and ridiculous and like I kind of get mad at that sort of stuff like why don't you just let her do what she wants <laughs> yeah I mean that's that's kind of my impression it's uh, you know the, wasn't this one of the first ones to use like uh, like large scale CGI for, for an animated movie uh, I mean we're sort of in the th- I mean yes they, they created like a system to create like that whole you know ride of the Rohirrim whatever all the horses yeah. coming over the hill yeah, yeah. Uh, that was computer generated. There, there, there's been a lot of CG stuff mixed into the last five or six movies. Yeah, they created a system. It was called they called it Attila was the name of the software. Oh, clever! <laughs> like, or Attila, <laughs> Attila, however you pronounce that. Attila um, the Hun. Yeah. How apropos. It was the software they cr- they created to have thousands of Hun soldiers. It was like a crowd simulation software they created just for this movie. But there has been a there has been a lot of CG mixed into the last five or six. Just the animation is just like, for me, is like near flawless. Even in the like sort of the close up dialogue scenes between two of the characters, they'll just sort of naturally move and sway back and forth. Like even with the cell drawn animation, just looks so good. It's so smooth, man. It just, I don't know. It's crazy how, how um, just how impressive that is. I will say that they did go for simpler looking people in this movie as far as just like details on the, in the faces and stuff. And it was because of... They, they they referenced a lot of like Chinese paintings and watercolors and stuff. And a lot of Chinese art isn't mm-hmm. 3D. It's very 2D. There's not a lot of like shadows and depth and stuff. So that's that's the reason why they went that direction. It's kind of interesting. And when the movie first started, I'm like, man, these people are like really simple looking. But they actually had at least a reason for it. Or maybe that's what they tell you so they could save money on it. Yeah, right. Animation. Exactly. <laughs> it was the, it was this team at, at MGM studios. They didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so David, how about you? You've watched this now for the first time in a while. what do you think about it? Does it still hold up? It does. I, I really enjoyed it again. The run times for these are also getting up there almost to an hour and a half, <laughs> which is still short, but we're used to watching an hour long movies, but this one did not, it didn't feel dragged out or anything. One thing we haven't really mentioned is Eddie Murphy's Mushu. I I was laughing at some of his jokes. I mean, it's clear that this was the inspiration for Donkey and Shrek. Like, basically the same character in a different different form, different creature. A few less pop culture references. Yeah, a few <laughs> yeah. less. But like, just off the bat of him calling like the horse a cow, and it just a lot of his humor just seemed like ad-libbed or improv maybe it wasn't but it seemed that way um and i appreciated that so that was one of the like solid aspects that i enjoyed i think another one was the villain actually now that i'm thinking the villain was like intimidating and cool but we also didn't really get many lines no (laughs) you don't get to know development of him now that i think about it i think that was some of my nostalgia childhood nostalgia like oh man like he's scary his army is his little posse of uh, generals and soldiers i liked as a kid um but yeah i guess his character is very one-dimensional now that i think about it (laughs) yeah it's it's and that's i think feel like it's sad because the actor who voiced him miguel ferrer is so great he's got he's got so much personality in his voice I like the like the style, the way they animated his character, very intimidating. But they could have done a little bit more there as far as getting to know the villain. 
Agreed. Yeah, he's definitely a cool character, and I, I wanted to see more of him. But no. Nice work, gentlemen. You found the Hun army. But the highlight of the movie, definitely the Make a Man Out of You song <laughs> in training scene. Should we all sing it together? <laughs> the greatest Disney song of all time. Maybe tied with... Uh, of all time? Tarzan, Two Worlds. <laughs> you think of all time? I think it's up there. I don't know if I'd put it at, so the top, at the top of the list. It is very good, though. It fits that scene so well, too. Yeah. It's real. It is really on the nose for the for the scene. <laughs> Let's get down to business to defeat the Huns. Did they send me daughters when I asked for sons? And they bring it back at the end, which was that was a little bit too much. You yeah, get like the, I the, the, the chorus of it as they're yeah. attacking the palace yeah. at the end. Yeah, yeah, they like change keys and sort of made it more uplifting. Yeah, it was a little much, but I agree, David. I like that song a lot. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't get into the I don't get into the songs that much in these no? movies. No, I really I just, liked the first song too. The dun 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 It like told the story really well. Of like why they're doing why they're putting her through all this, <laughs> all the makeup and all the like it, it progresses the story really well and it was a, it was a fun it was a fun song. Wait and see when we're through, boys will gladly go to war for you with good fortune and a great hairdo. You'll bring honor to us all. For the uh, the purpose of like plot movement, I feel like the songs do a good job. Yeah. They do kind of abandon the musical concept like two-thirds of the way through. There was a Mushu song cut out I read. It's called Keep Em Guessing, deleted huh. song. Huh. Wow. All right, I'll check it out. It was released on a special feature on the DVD release of Mulan 2. I think they could have just put uh, Party All the Time in the movie by Eddie Murphy and it would have been great. Or uh, or what's, what does Shrek end with? And then I saw her face and I'm a believer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that actually would kind of work. The song and the titles sounded about as out of place as that would have sounded. Yeah. You mean at the, the end, the end credits with the end credits, Stevie Wonder, yeah, titles. Nick Lachey coming in. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, did you enjoy watching oh, it? Oh yeah, I did enjoy this movie. As it went, I was remembering the plot points, but I, yeah. I didn't really remember the whole avalanche thing until it happened. And yeah, it was, it was fun to follow this movie along without really remembering it. It doesn't feel long. Like you said, David, it doesn't really drag in places. And I think uh, the story of Mulan is generally a pretty great story. So as a whole, I, I enjoyed it. I, I mentioned the simple animation that was sort of jarring, at least at first of like, they're, they're really lazy here, but then reading about it a little bit more helped, helped its cause. Uh, let's bring up a few more brief observations and then we can wrap this thing up. Bill, uh, what else did you notice or David while watching Milan? Oh, uh, Harvey Firestein. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I forgot he was in this. Oh man. I'm never going to catch my breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make a man out of you. Oh man. Harvey Firestein. Yeah. What, like, a guy. What, what a great voice. And like, you know, he's done all sorts of that sort of voice work, but I feel like this one was just right up his alley. You know, he can be sort of hard to understand sometimes, but I feel like in this one, it was really crisp and clear, but still very Harvey. Yeah. Harvey. Is that his real voice? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Absolutely. 
I think he kind of Gilbert Gottfried's it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it may not truly be his real voice, but it's become his real voice. Yeah. One of his biggest roles was on Broadway, or at least, I don't know if it was on Broadway, but was in Hairspray. He plays the mom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's the original He's the original mom in, in the stage version of Hairspray. I remember him from uh, Independence Day. Yes, that's right. He was like a reporter with uh, Jeff Goldblum. Uh-huh. He, uh, he dies. So. He does. He does. Golly. Say goodbye to those who knew me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think that this movie needed to end with the general going to her village to like court her or whatever he was doing. Mm. I don't know. I felt like th- th- that didn't need to be a love story. It was kind of forced, which I'm sure the studio forced them to do it. We need a love story. Probably. You know, so. Yeah. And then because then it sort of became like the antithesis of what this movie was in the first place. Was like she didn't she didn't want to get married. She wanted to be off on her own. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't need no man. Right. And it turns out that maybe she did. <laughs> <laughs> and the grandma and the grandma's got a big crush on him too. Oh yeah, big time. Woo! Sign me up for the next war. One weird thing I noticed in this movie when she is preparing, like grabbing her father's armor. Which first off, good thing they're like the same size. How convenient. Yeah, she's preparing in the living room, stealing his stuff. The music was like straight up synthesizer. It sounded like a like a Rocky movie. It was weird. Or something. Yeah. It was real out of place. But if you pull up that track on the on the soundtrack, which I did on Apple Music today, it's all orchestra. So somewhere, somewhere in the middle, they just like they didn't record the track in time, so they put in like the temp track. What? Or they did on accident and they forgot to replace it. But if you play Mulan's Decision, which is the same song, um, off the soundtrack, it is full orchestra. I just thought of something. There was a YouTube video. I'm not sure who made it, but there's a video of this girl kind of doing a Mythbusters can you cut off your hair with a sword Uh, I just found it it's the YouTube channel is called as is I'm trying to skip ahead to see if it worked or not how about can you start an avalanche with a firework it definitely doesn't cut out off in one big chunk like Mulan it kind of like goes in layers and looks very painful so I don't think that's plausible I also don't think it's very plausible for seven men to hoist up a horse Oh yeah, off a cliff. Despite, despite <laughs> like Baymax's dad trying to, you know, the luring him in, whatever that guy's name was. A horse and and two adult humans and a dragon and a time. miniature dragon. Yeah, yeah. Even if that guy was like a thousand pounds, which is what he looked like, the horse is like a thousand pounds plus five hundred, six hundred more of those other How people. Yeah, that would. Much does a full size horse weigh? 1,500. That's my guess. Uh, We're talking about a Palomino or (laughs) what? Uh, Up to 1,200 pounds. Okay. Yeah, they're big. Same thing with when they were breaking into the the Emperor's uh, castle and they picked up that gigantic statue and they were like oh, yeah. they were like battering ram <laughs> batter battering ramming the door there's only like 10 of them yeah there's like there's like six people holding this thing up that the statue's got to weigh twelve thousand pounds yeah in lord of the rings that thing rolls in on a, on a giant uh a giant yeah. cart and for and good reason and it's pulled, and by it's pulled back by trolls yes yeah <laughs> also here's something speaking of like 
flaws in the movie. How does nobody recognize Mulan as a woman? <laughs> it's it's like the Clark Kent effect of just putting <laughs> right. putting glasses on and like, oh, where'd, where'd Superman go? <laughs> That's the real reason why they animated it so simply. It's because they couldn't really oh, tell yeah. when she pulled her hair back. That makes sense. That's why I'm really curious what they're going to do with the live action one because a bunch of the shots in the trailer are her with like her hair flowing and she's like woman fighter. So I wonder if that's going to be revealed much earlier on or if they're even going to like make her hide as a man. It would make sense. Because that's going to be really hard to do in live action form. Or she just wears a helmet for 85% of the movie. Or that. Um, Another little nitpick. So when they're training and at the camp, there was probably like 200 soldiers and when they get to like the avalanche scene, there's like 15 of them hiding behind a rock. Oh, yeah. And there were there weren't 150 other soldiers off somewhere. Like the whole army kind of disappeared. The tragic truth is that they all died along the journey. Yeah. Of, of uh, what do you die of in Oregon in the Oregon Trail? They all dysentery. Yeah, exactly. Another thing is like just like the, the numbers in the armies was like really small. Like there's this invading Hun army come to take over the entire Chinese empire and there's like a hundred guys are they gonna take they're gonna take over the whole country there were a lot of guys on horses I'd there say there weren't that many. I'd say a thousand and even they were a thousand and they were scary even one thousand is not how enough. did the Huns get horses when they grappling hooked up the Great Wall of China they walked they they, they there's some doorways they could cut through probably stole them from villages along the way yeah all the above yes or they, yes. just, they just tossed him over. Also, the two guys who were shirtless and then got buried in the avalanche, there's no yeah. way they could have survived that. That's hypothermia immediately. Immediate hypothermia and frostbite. Like, they should have been, like, like they, they should have arisen from the snow, like, just completely black. And, like, <laughs> and like, like only, only shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Missing. <laughs> no limbs Ugh. attached. Yeah, but this movie makes no sense. Yes, it does not. Nothing <laughs> adds up. Bill, the, the job of our guests on the show is to come up with a rating system specific to the movie we're discussing. So anything Ooh. you want, as long as it's a number that we can rate it out of, uh, what should we rate Mulan? Uh, I'm going to give it five out of ten uh, flaming arrows. Only five. Sorry. Um, five out of seven okay. flaming arrows. <laughs> <laughs> Final thoughts are I like the I generally like the message. Um, I like the how... Uh, progressive it was for 1998 women's empowerment and uh, independence and all that stuff could have been better but good for the time i like the battles i mean those are awesome um some of the, the character design i think is cool with some of the characters but it it just seemed a little i don't know it all just seemed a little thin for me and like i don't know i'm just not a fan of the music there's nothing like there's no like uh oh gosh a girl worth fighting for. No. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's all good, but it's just not like <laughs> it's not like Colors of the Wind, or uh, you know, you never had a friend like me. It's 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 not like that kind of sort of stuff. It's the nostalgia. It's, it's a big part of it. Yeah, and I think maybe that's why I'm not so pumped about it is because it's not one that I watched a bunch as a kid, uh, and so maybe I just I'm just missing that. Yeah, that's all know. right. That's allowed. Good. Okay, so David, out of seven flaming arrows, what do you give Mulan? I give Mulan a 6.16 out of seven <laughs> that's, flaming that's pretty good. arrows. I I loved it. I mean, 
despite the nitpicks that we just went through for the past <laughs> 10 minutes, which we could do to any Disney movie. It's very solid. I like the story. It's very like f- fulfilling the redemption arc of Mulan. Like you think that she's screwed once they find out she's a man, but she comes through and saves the day. I felt like if I hadn't watched it so much as a kid, it wouldn't have been as predictable as it was just because I was remembering everything. I liked the comedy through Mushu and Make a Man Out of You is the best song ever. <laughs> Mike, what about you? How many flaming arrows out of seven? Yeah, out of seven flaming arrows, give it a 5.5. 5. Hmm. I enjoyed it. It was it was fun. I think it was a good balance of of intensity with humor. I think kids can handle it. And I think it's also enjoyable for enjoyable enough for adults. There are a few little awkward things, a, little, a few little jokes that don't really hold up anymore. Yeah, I, I, I think as David has said, the action was was really cool. That sequence where the where the Huns are coming over the hill on the horses was really, really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. The music and the sound effects and the animation there all it's a very very cool action scene. Yeah, and just overall this uh, the the musical score was great. Jerry Goldsmith as we mentioned and was Oscar nominated and and, and I've expressed how I do really like these songs um despite liking Prince of Egypt better. Rest in peace Stephen <laughs> Schwartz and Disney. So, so yeah, 5.5 out of 7. And uh, and I'll leave. I also the yeah. cold open is very very cool. That yeah on the on the Great Wall. You're right. Yeah, the the very beginning starts with uh, oh yeah, a pretty intense action scene on the Great Wall of China before we even hit the the title of the movie. So yeah, I do like that. Oh, no, sorry, the title of the movie was beforehand. What was this one called? The movie. Yeah, Mulan. Oh okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Do you need to adjust your rating now? Was that were you rating the wrong Ooh, movie? You know what? Oh man, I was thinking of Moana. <laughs> the whole time (laughs) yeah i'm sorry guys can we just start over yeah okay all right we'll end it there and then mushu is cool too and uh yeah make a man out of you i do also know every word of that song david and it's one of my favorite disney songs so it uh it adds it adds a good uh 0.5 to my to my rating so so with that we'll end the show (laughs) bill parmentier thanks so much for joining us today on disney one by one my pleasure this was fun and uh david as always thanks for joining me a single grain of rice can tip the scales. Oh, yes, indeed. I also like that. That was a terrible accent. <laughs> the other great line, okay, when Mulan was sad and her dad, after not getting matched with someone, her, and her, her dad looks up at the flower, and he, and he, the, one, the, the one that hasn't bloomed, and he said, when it blooms, it'll be the most beautiful of all. It's Aww. so touching. So touching. Are going to tell that to your daughter? Probably. I mean, I hope I don't have to, but <laughs> yeah, I if I need yeah. to, I will. If I need to, I will. Yeah. No matter how the wind howls, the mountain cannot bow to it. So true. Just, just keep going, oh Dave. My gosh. How many men does it take to deliver a message? <laughs> just You don't one. need a girl like that every dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That was a fun one. The Emperor had the best quotes. Okay, and remember, you can check us out all over the internet at Disney1x1, and please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read it here on the show. All right, that's all I got today. We'll see you next week with Tarzan. David, you love Tarzan. Hup. <laughs> Was that your Phil Collins impression? Hup. Yes. <laughs> all right, we'll see you then. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1. 
and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Mike. We'll make something out of that. We'll make a man out of that. Oh, wow. I can't wait to see that.